welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi, and happy new year from the Destination Begin podcast. I am recording a full episode today, not just one of these little mini-sodes that have become super popular and I'm super excited. If you haven't been listening to the daily motivation podcast that I've been posting here, please do. Subscribe so that you get it every day and I'm really, really excited about it. Share it with people. Um, I always say, don't just tell someone about it. Send them a link to an episode. That way all they have to do is hit play. Because if you give too many steps to any human this day and age, it's too many. It's too many. I won't. If someone says, hey, listen to this podcast, I'm like, okay, I will 100% not do it. But if you send me a text with a link in it, say, here, listen to this, I will click yet and I will listen to it. But any other way, no, it's too much work. And that's how humans are. Um, anyway, happy new year. I just got back from spending the holidays in Minnesota with my family and it was wonderful. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for the most part, over like the Christmas days. Um, But we rallied, we recovered. It was an interesting trip. And my family showed up as their best self in like a way that I haven't really seen in my family, I guess. Not to say my family's horrible, but my family, we haven't always been our best selves and we haven't always kept the main thing, the main thing. And there's just been a lot of growth. And so I I feel like that was just tested by the universe in lots of ways. For us, um, Roy and I, Roy and me, Roy and I, what is it? My mother would know. My mother's corrected my grammar my whole life. Roy and me and Gus. Yeah. Roy and me and Gus. Do you know how you figure that out? Cause if I wasn't say Roy, if I wasn't saying Roy and I was just saying me and Gus, um, that would be correct. So I wouldn't say Roy and I and Gus because I wouldn't say I and Gus. See? Anyway, wow. My, it doesn't matter. Um, the three of us went to Minnesota <laughs> and uh, our, our adventure started at 4 a.m. when we left for the airport on the 23rd. And we were bringing Gus with us because um, we did not want to leave him and everybody in Minnesota wanted to meet him, so they said. And I mean, they welcomed him, but you know, we were basically like, you guys have to meet Gustavo. Um, and so we got in the Uber, 4 a.m., and Gus promptly got carsick and threw up all over Roy's jeans. So that was super fun. We weren't even across the bridge, across the bay, into actual Miami, off Miami Beach, before he had puke on him from a dog. So cleaned it up with Gus's new Christmas sweater before he could even get it on his body. Whatever, it was better than nothing, and whatever. We were on our way. Then we got to the airport. We got through security. Everything went really well. Gus was a little angel. And then he pooped all over the airport carpet, which again, okay, no big deal. It was an easy cleanup. Nobody saw it. Um, And we were on our way. And, you know, Roy was like, I'll just change my pants when we get there, whatever. So uneventful flight. Gus was amazing. We had um, exit row seats, which was so lucky, but you can't have a dog in exit row. So we had to pay to upgrade to this like comfort select size seats, 
because otherwise we would have been separated and Roy would have been on a window and Roy is 110 feet tall. And so that's whatever. So it was actually cool to be able to, it wasn't that much more money. And we got to be in big spacious seats and spread out and it made it for a really nice flight. Now something unexpected happened. I have flown to Minneapolis many times since I've moved to Miami. But this time, for some reason, as we were starting to descend and I could see, you know, the snow covered ground and the familiar landmarks and skyscrapers, I got so emotional. It was like my little heart knew that I was in my homeland. (laughs) And it was just out of nowhere. I just got all teary eyed and I just felt like I could barely contain myself. It was just so much joy and just feeling so connected like I am home my soul knew that I was back where it originated it was really magical and it was I don't know it was probably one of the most overwhelmingly emotional moments one of the top 10 of 2022 it was just really big and I didn't expect it but it was lovely um we got in and it was um it was super cold it was minus 11 and then the wind chill was something heinous I don't even know at at some point it's just freaking cold but we got into the airport and the best part about landing in Minneapolis when you're me is at the airport right away, there's caribou coffee. Caribou coffee is terrible coffee, but it's Minnesota coffee. It is the coffee of my homeland and it's weak ass coffee. The first time I was so excited to have Roy try it, he was like, what? Wait a minute. You like this? <laughs> like, yes, it's caribou. Isn't it wonderful? And he's like, no. No, it is not. No, this is weak, pitiful coffee. And uh, and then I was like, you know what? You're kind of right. This is kind of terrible. But whatever. It's nostalgia. It's caribou. And so immediately off the plane got um, a large, hot crafted press, which the crafted press has this, it's like a salty sugar mix that they put in. I don't even understand what it does, but it's this really good flavoring, low calorie, um, just a little bit of sugar, but so good. Gus is chewing on my shoe while it is on my foot right now. He is a nightmare. Gus, are you a nightmare? He's a nightmare. Ow, don't bite me. He's he's still he's only one. He had a one his first birthday. He's still a little biter. He bites and he still barks. He's a nightmare. If you know what? If you know what to do what to do about a loud, stubborn, biting, howling cavashu, let me know. Because I have one of those. Anyway, so off the plane, got the caribou. They gave Gus a pup cup because he's so cute. He was so cute. You're not cute right now. Um, We couldn't put his little holiday sweater on him because it was covered in barf, um, which was unfortunate because as soon as we stepped outside, Gus was hit with the cold air and he basically just stopped moving and climbed back at Roy's feet like, get me out of here, which we of course could not do because we were landed for 11 days. Um, It was so cold. And he just just started shaking. And so we had we brought winter gear. We put all that on while we were waiting for our bags. And then Roy just put Gus inside of his coat. And he stayed inside of his coat for basically the rest of the day. Um, it was such a challenge because Gus was born in Florida. And the sand is his version of snow. And it's warm. And he's never experienced cold air. And so it was really tough because the first few days he just... Would we let him outside to go potty and his feet would get so cold on the snow, he would just stop where he was. At one point he had gone out, was doing his business and then his feet got really cold while he was distracted sniffing and 
Gus has no fight in him. He just rolled over and laid down like, well, I guess I die here. And my brother went around the corner like, Gus, come here. He's just laying there like, oh, I'm cold. I was like, he, he, this dog, he's so soft. So it was a problem the first couple of days because he wouldn't go potty. He wouldn't walk around outside long enough to go potty. And so it was really stressful. Um, we were staying with my sister and, you know, it's so fun to show up, stay with somebody else and then bring a dog and just walk him around, just terrified he's going to pee on something or, you know, poop on something. And so we had puppy pads out, but the first couple of days were just, they weren't great. But eventually he figured it out. He wasn't going to die. And he that was resolved. I'm sure you're so relieved to hear about my dog's number one and number two situation. But my sister has a dog. And so Gus kind of, I think he just figured out, oh, okay, Daisy's going out. This is what we do. Um, so it was all fine. But um, we got into town and, you know, Gus had thrown up on Roy's pants. And then we got into town. We went to my sister's and we had to immediately leave because um, I had some friends in town that were only all going to be in one place um, for that night. So growing up in church, I babysat for a family in church, I had four kids. And so I would go to their house, I would stay all week and um, take care of the youngest two after I got the oldest two off to school. And so these four kids were like, I took care of them from the time I was 12 until the time I was basically married and out the house. And they're, they're they feel like my kids. And when I got married and had my son, the two daughters, there was two boys and two girls, the two girls, Joy and Faith, they were nannies for Stephen when I went to school and one of them lived with us and they were just really close. And so all four of those kids are grown up. The youngest is 32. I don't even understand how that's possible, Uh, but they're 32, 34, 36, 38. And they have, two of them have a whole bunch of kids and one of them is pregnant with twins and the youngest one is still single. But it's like whenever I have a chance to see these kids, it's like they're my kids and their kids feel like my grandkids because they are just, they're, I mean, that's how it is. And they were all, they all are scattered around the country for the most part. And they were all in town for the holidays and they were all in one place. So we had to rush up there so I could have a chance to see them. And it was so amazing to see them and to see their kids and interact with them. And we got there and Joy, um, one of the girls, she and her husband just had their fourth baby. And he's like, I don't know, six months old, eight months old. And so Roy is really good with babies and he loves babies. So he was holding the baby and then the baby puked all over him. So Gus puke and baby puke. Roy was having a great first day. (laughs) He's so long suffering, but that was really awesome. It was just terrific. You know, it's like you go home and you see people, um, that for me, going home and seeing people that have known me my whole life, there's something about it that I didn't understand how precious that was until I moved away. And the people I have here in Miami are like, I have, I'm surrounded by the most magnificent people on the planet but they've known me for two years. They hear the stories of my life, little snippets, but it's just not the same, obviously, as being around people who share my history and who were there. These people were there when I got married the first time. These people saw my joys, saw my pains, saw my failures, um, and they know me. And it was just, it, I just needed it. I, I needed it so much, and it was so wonderful. So um, Christmas Eve, Eve and Christmas Day were just 
equal parts insanity and beauty because my family has not always been amazing at keeping their cool under pressure, um, being nice under pressure, giving each other grace, like the old family of Yorn. The new 2.0 family that I have is like amazing. Everybody was so full of grace and kindness and patience and love and it was amazing, especially when um, faced with great adversity. <laughs> um, I guess it's all relative, but okay. So my sister and um, her daughter, so Sam and Ross, my niece and her husband, Roy and me, um, and my brother and my sister, all staying at my sister's house Christmas Eve. And the plumbing went out. The sewer went out. Sewer backed up. Luckily, didn't make a big mess, but couldn't use the toilets, couldn't use the showers, couldn't use the drains until the plumber arrived. Well, we were all going to Christmas Eve service and then coming back to my sister's with my parents, the whole big family, for appetizers and dinner and dessert. And my sister cooks. She makes fried wontons. She makes bacon-wrapped chestnuts. She makes baked brie. She makes all of these signature yummy, delicious things every Christmas Eve. And there's no there's no drains. There's We can, we can get water, but... You can't flush the toilets. You cannot use the drain. You cannot drain the sink. Um, nobody can, you know, do their business and nobody could take showers. But it's like, well, what are we going to do? We call the plumber. They should be here in a couple of hours. We watched the Vikings win. The Vikings won that game on Christmas Eve. Um, the 49ers won as well, which was good because that's Roy's team. I can't remember if they played on Christmas. Oh yeah. They played on Christmas Eve. Um, and we went to church at 4 p.m. So there's 4 p.m. Christmas Eve service. We always go to Living Word in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota for their Christmas Eve service because it's beautiful. I am not a fan of church. Um, I think, I don't know. I think churches are terrible in the most for the most part. Mega churches. This is a mega church and I, I have, I mean, I can just tell you lots of horror stories. But Christmas Eve, they get it right. It's candlelight and it's Christmas carols led by the worship team in a way that you can sing along. So you get to go and hold a candle with your family. They turn the lights down and you get to sing the first Noel and O Come All Ye Faithful and O Holy Night. And it's so beautiful. And it's like 25 minutes and you're out of there. It's perfect. So I was so excited about this. And Roy was like, what are we doing at four o'clock? And they said, we're going to church. And he said, what about the Niners game? I was like, what about the Niners game? We're... We're here for Christmas, so we're going to do the Christmas things. We're not, and plus it's Minnesota, not San Francisco. Your San Francisco 49ers are not playing on TV here anyway. So if you were going to watch it, you'd have to go to a bar. And he's like, yeah. I said, you, if you'd like to go to a bar and watch the 49ers play football, instead of going to church with my family for Christmas carols, I'm going to go ahead and say that's fine, but you're going to have to manage the PR nightmare that is going to ensue. You may take 20 steps backwards in your quest to, you know, win them all over. Um, I don't know if he was really considering going somewhere else to watch the game, but it was never brought up again. Um, and he was able to watch the game on his phone while I drove us to church and then just check the score in between O Come All Ye Faithful and O Holy Night. And, and it was fine. <laughs> but my brother was very concerned about the fact that Roy wouldn't even been able to find a place to watch it even after church. So when we got back from church, he had figured out how to get it on one of the TVs. And we walked in, he goes, hey, Roy, go upstairs. The game's on. I got it on the TV. And I was like, oh. it was, okay, it's a stupid little thing, 
But it was the sweetest thing. I mean, he didn't have to give a care. He didn't have to do all of that. But And my brother doesn't even really know Roy yet that much. Roy's only been around for nine months. But it was the sweetest thing. So Roy got to watch the game. They won. There was no PR nightmare. So after church, we did this big, you know, cooking of the wontons and the baking of the brie and eating all the things. It was so delicious. And then um, it was time to watch Christmas movies. And so I put Christmas pajamas on. I'm like, I vote for Elf because Elf is the best. So we couldn't do dishes. So we all sat down to watch Elf and I was awake for exactly eight minutes. And then I was asleep because that's what I do. So I picked the movie and then went to bed. The plumber never arrived. So Christmas morning dawned early and there was still no running water. There was still no way to use the bathroom. There was still no way to, it was still a problem. The Roto-Rooter said, our plumbers are going to come in at 10 a.m. and one of them is assigned to you. So you should have someone there hopefully a little bit after that. So my sister was like, well, let's fill some big bowls with hot soapy water and at least wash some of these dishes so we can make brunch later and we'll just dump the water outside when it gets dirty. So Roy is like awesome. Roy's the hero of anything that needs to be done. He's amazing. Um, filled up this big bowl of hot water and then a big hot bowl of water for rinsing. So we, he and I set out to do the dishes. And it was super fun. You know, we're, we haven't been dating long. We've been dating nine months. And we're madly in love. And so dishes, it's fun, you know, like everything is still fun. So we were doing dishes and I was like, Roy, you are the hero of Christmas. Look at you doing dishes. Um, This is a, a PR dream. Well, then my brother came upstairs with a giant Rubbermaid tub that fit inside the sink exactly and said, hey, would this be helpful for the dishes? I was like, oh my gosh, you are the hero of Christmas because it held a whole like sink full of water and we were able to start scrubbing all the you know my sister made bacon wrapped chestnuts covered in brown sugar that caramelized all over the pan everything was dirty and needed to be soaked and scrubbed so he was the hero so we spent I don't know probably three hours washing dishes scrubbing pans dumping the Tupperware Rubbermaid box outside and refilling it over and over again it was quite the adventure it was like we were 1900s house or something but everybody had fun. It was super fun. Everybody kept good humor. You know, we made breakfast. We did all the dishes. We had so much fun. My sister went to church with her fiance, picked up his kids, came back. The plumber came. It was a thousand dollars, you know, no big deal. My poor sister. She just like, okay. And then we proceeded to make this big, beautiful Christmas breakfast brunch for the whole family. It's like, I got to Minnesota and basically we went from meal to meal to meal. It was ridiculous amounts of food, constant. You could barely just stop being stuffed before it was time to eat again. It was amazing and it was a lot. But that was how we spent Christmas. And so it was really nice. My son was supposed to arrive Christmas night and then our official family Christmas was on the 26th. Well, he was supposed to fly to Minnesota on Southwest Airlines. And Southwest Airlines, as you know, shit the bed. So he his flight was canceled on Sunday night, the 25th, and they rebooked him on Wednesday. Well, he was only going to be able to be in Minnesota from Sunday to Wednesday. So that was useless. So canceled that. 
And I was like, well, I guess he's not going to make it here because flights on any other airline at that point were so expensive. I was already like, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot, I don't have the funds. Well, my angel sister, the newly crowned hero of Christmas, had a whole bunch of American Airlines points and we found a flight for him um, that left super early on the 26th in the morning to get him into Minneapolis by one o'clock. So, okay, he could be at part of the Christmas day celebration. So booked that for him and then found out that that flight out of Raleigh into Dallas was delayed and his connecting flight from Dallas to Minneapolis was 11 minutes later. So Stephen got to the airport at like 5 a.m. in Raleigh, got on a flight, landed in Dallas at 8.36 a.m. and his flight to Minneapolis had already departed. It had departed early. And so he got to sit in the airport until almost 5 p.m. in Dallas spent the whole day there. I felt so bad, but he landed in Minneapolis safe, um, around 7 30 PM after all of our Christmas day celebrations were done. I was heartbroken. We were at the gym early in the morning, uh, finding out that he was going to miss his connecting flight. He wasn't going to get in in time for the official family Christmas. And it's like everybody in my family was going to be together for the first time in a very long time. And then now the only missing piece was my son. And I just, it was, I don't, I'm still so emotional. It was like the one thing that I really was excited about. The one thing that I wanted was just to see all of my people in one place and it was going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And so several times during our little Christmas day at my parents, it was just, it was so fun and jubilant and wonderful. And I just, you know, it's like, what is it? Humans all this beauty and wonderfulness and then I noticed the one thing that isn't there but it was a big thing my my little boy it's like he's just part of me and I I don't see him enough so it was really hard like I just I didn't want it to ruin the day and I didn't let on but I just I missed him so much it was that was just a big huge disappointment I was just very sad but it was a wonderful time. My mom made a really nice meal. We all gathered. My sister's fiance has two kids that are just super fun. It's so fun to have kids in the family again. They're 12 and 16 and they just bring a lot of fun and laughter and silliness and, you know, young energy to our family. So we had a great Christmas and then went to the airport to drop Sam and Ross off. They were flying out. We thought, well, maybe we can get Steven in the car before I drop Sam and Ross off for their flight at the, at the next airport over. Well, Steven's flight was late and we had to drop Sam and Ross off to get their flight in time. So those kids all missed each other by about 15 minutes and about five blocks between airports. Such a bummer. So Steven didn't get to see them, but what do you do? He arrived safe. We got right back in the car, right, right up to my parents so they could see him um, and he could have some of my grandma's mac and cheese that he loves and have a little time with grandma and grandpa. So he arrived. The next day we drove down to Iowa to see the Iowa relatives. It was my brother, Roy and me and Steven. We had a wonderful day. Six and a half hours or so in the car, just going to Iowa and back to see my aunt and uncle. But it was time to talk. You know, Roy is still getting to know my family. So to hear my brother and my boyfriend talking was and getting to know each other was so fun and my son and Roy getting to know each other it was really really nice and of course nice to go to Iowa so um Stephen flew out Wednesday morning so he wasn't even there 48 hours but 
was so wonderful to see him. He's growing up. He's showing more maturity every time that I see him. He didn't spend all of his Christmas money at the Mall of America. He took it home to pay bills. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, he's growing up so fast. Uh, uh, but it was so wonderful to see him. So that was the Christmas weekend. It was awesome. And then we stayed um, all the way through New Year's. We had a fun New Year's at Amanda's house playing games. And we did a fun donut taste test. Bought a bunch of donuts at Kowalski's. And we, we ranked them um, on flavor, like which ones were the best. A lot of them were really terrible because they were stale. But the, the raised donut with white frosting and crushed up Oreos was the clear winner. So it was just nice to to spend time with my family, spend time with my sister. We stayed with my sister the whole time except for our New Year's Eve night at Amanda's and then um, came back on Monday the 2nd. So it was uh, 11 days of being gone and I just, I my heart is so full. I tell you, you know, I used, people used to say family is everything and I'd be like, no, it's really not. It's not important to me. My family's let me down. I had this big story and narrative about the whole thing. And over time, just being taught life lessons and being shown my own arrogance, my own stubbornness, and like the error in my thinking. Uh, I don't, I still don't believe like, oh, family is everything. I think humans are, humans are humans and we have to love and respect everybody. But to, to have a clear, open relationship with your family of origin is a gift. And in some cases, it takes a lot of work. And to repair and rebuild where there has been a breakdown, it doesn't, it's one person can't do it. It it takes two, it takes four, it takes everybody. And in my family, like there's just been this big collaboration of of timing where everybody seems like they just wanted to repair and were willing like at the same period of time. And that's a rare thing. And I'm just so grateful because, you know, I played a huge role in keeping the, the, the angst going when it, you know, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Um, but while I was sitting over here hurt, I was also perpetuating the problem. I've talked about it on my podcast a lot, but the, the point that is just so overwhelmingly important to understand is if you want reconciliation with your family, if you want to have a clear, open communication flow between your family, it, it's not possible just to like decide, but it is possible to decide to start to lay the groundwork and to do your part. And I made a decision that I was going to do that and I got it wrong a lot. I didn't do it perfectly, um, but I was hell bent that I was, that I wanted my family. I missed my family. I missed that, what used to be when things were not so great. And I, I think that, I think that over time it's, it's very possible to perpetuate massive change if one person is willing to push themselves and not give up. There were many times I pushed my, pushed it and then something would go wrong and I'd get my feelings hurt and I'd be like, oh, well, see, you know, screw that. And I'd get all offended again. But it wouldn't take long for me to say, no, no, I'm going back in. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go or I'm going to just say that was my fault because that probably was my fault. And I just, there was something in my heart that just wanted it. And uh, I can't really define all of the pieces and all the all of the steps that took place to get us here. But I know that if I hadn't pushed myself to look 
at my own role in some of those hurts and be willing to take on the blame before I really was sure it was all of mine. Like I would see a glimmer like, oh, I could have done done that a little different. And I'd say, well, I'm just going to call it all my fault. And once I did that, I could see that it really was my fault. <laughs> like I was willing to see a quarter of it and then just say, I'll take all of it just to be the masochist or to be the hero. But once I did that, I realized, no, actually it really was all my fault. There were so many things like that. And it's, it sucks to have to admit your own failure. And it, it feels like you're giving up something. It feels like it costs you something. But the, if the result is that your family can heal and that other people are able to, to approach you and, and be vulnerable with you so that you can work things out, it's worth it. You know, like I, I use the analogy so much. If, if someone comes to a battlefield with a machine gun, ready to mow you down, and you come with a magic wand and a fluffy tiara and like lay down, what are they going to do to you? And so many people say like, well, I won't let people treat me like that and I won't stand for it and I have to have boundaries. Absolutely, you have to have boundaries. You can't let people abuse you. But there's so many cases where it's not abuse and it's not so dramatic as people make it sound, but it's just an unwillingness to be the person to say, I'm going to just stop fighting and I'm just going, I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going to say, okay, instead of fighting back. If it's possible for you to shut it down and, and return a s- wrath with a soft answer, if that's possible for you, do it. Because the payoff is peace. The payoff is perhaps a conversation where you actually get somewhere, where people are willing to lay down their defenses and be a human and say, well, I was super mad, but I realized it was because I was super hurt or I, w- I felt really, really afraid of losing you or I felt really disrespected and I didn't know how to explain that. So it was easier just to cut you off or whatever. The bottom line is, is if you want your family to be whole, if you want a better relationship with people in your family, I believe there's a path forward. And I believe that if you're persistent And if you can continually, continually be humble and be willing to admit your own faults and to accept the idea that maybe you did perpetuate issues that you maybe don't really think you did, but maybe you did. What's the harm in taking the blame for something in order to end a rift, in order to remove a grudge, in order to get the plank out of your eye so the other person can look at you and say, hi, this is me vulnerability, communication, the willingness to be seen, the willingness to listen. Those are all things that we don't, you don't have to abandon hope that those things are possible. Even if your family hasn't been necessarily functional for a long time. Our family compared to a lot, our dysfunction is like a one on a scale of 10 compared to some, but it was enough to put barriers between us and communication barriers between us and hurts and misunderstandings. And we're not 100% perfect, but the dynamic has shifted in such a way that there's love that's flowing. There's genuine, real, compassionate love, and it's being communicated and felt. And that's a friggin' miracle. But it also took intentional work and intentional willingness. And I, I can't take credit for all of the healing, but I can take credit for myself for being willing to swallow my pride and to continue to push what what is my role and how can I fix what I've done? And to say, I probably did a lot more damage than I ever knew I did. Period. I did. And that, that 
I'm really proud of myself. And then my family has responded in massive, beautiful ways. And I'm so proud of them and so grateful. So this whole thing would have been a lot harder to, to move through if, if they were stubborn, horrible people. But they're not. They never have been. They've always been amazing, beautiful, terrific people. Um, but my own stubbornness would only see the ugly things. And that was on me. And so all that to say, it was a very Merry Christmas with my family. And my heart is really full. It was super great. Yay. It's not too late to join Second Story. I just started my mindset training program for 2023. We just had our first group call. There's 16 people that get on this call and we talk about goal setting, our commitments. We talk about the things we struggle with like eating at night, emotional eating, boredom eating, snacking, how hard it is to walk away when other people in the family are eating ice cream. All the things that are normal challenges for weight loss and basically getting our arms around bad habits and creating new ones. It's a super powerful program and people that join and go, I can't believe I waited so long to join this. I can't believe everybody else doesn't do this. Why doesn't everybody know about this? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I have a hard time telling them all. It's $2.49 a month and people say, that's insane. So, okay, I get that that sounds like a lot of money, but when you understand the value of this program, it's nothing. It is a drop in the bucket because you are equipped for life to understand your habits, to be able to stop binge eating, to be able to stop boredom eating, to make rules and follow them, to understand why, why am I fat in the belly when my weight is healthy? How do I lose weight around my belly? Why am I soft and flappy? I'm not overweight. I'm just, my body looks like it. Well, that's all handled when you get your macros in balance. I teach you how to do that. Why is protein important and what quantities? All this stuff that actually just stops the mess in your brain. That's what I teach you. And it's 12 weeks. And once you do it, you are forever changed and empowered. The graduates of my program, a lot of them enroll to do it again because A, they want to be a mentor for the other people in the program. And B, I always add new relevant content. Dig a little deeper. It's amazing. If you want to join, go to kristensmithonline.com. It's not too late to join. Use the coupon code today. You're going to save 50 bucks. When you enroll, it's not too late. You're also going to get a personalized nutrition plan, meal plan, including recipes and workouts that you can use in my app to go get in shape wherever you want. So join today. It's not too late. I would love to have you. So the holidays have come and gone and we're back to normal. I gained um, some weight over the holidays. I planned on eating things that I liked not being super meticulous, enjoying things that my mom made and the rare things, and just trying to get movement in. So we went to the gym the last week of um, the holiday trip. We were at the gym the 26th all the way through, I believe, the the 31st. I forget. We missed two days. But otherwise, we lifted and then we ran a 5K on the treadmill every day to just simply kind of stay ahead of some of the extra calories going in. And it was more of a mental benefit. It didn't do, I don't think it did a ton to the actual calorie situation, but what it did was make it so it wasn't this feeling of total and complete annihilation of the goals and the diet and the body. It was a way of showing up, moving, burning some calories, getting the heart rate up, getting the blood flow going, and kind of holding on to um, our routine as I'm choking on my words. So, but when I got home, it was after eating a lot of things I normally don't eat. A lot of high fat foods, high sodium foods, dairy, sugar, things that bloat me. And so got home 
and um, was the highest weight that I had been in a very long time, and I was very uncomfortable. And I could feel water underneath my skin when I walked. Like, that's how much water weight I had. And so one week after returning, I had lost 10 pounds. And you will look, what? And um, I talked about it in my Instagram um, to just talk about it's, you know, it's basically a fluke. Okay, there's, it's not, I didn't gain 10 pounds of fat. I didn't lose 10 pounds of fat. I probably gained two to four pounds of fat and I probably lost two pounds of fat. So it's all about how you respond after an event. So I have my foolproof way of correcting quickly after a trip or after a holiday or after a significant um, food experience. Now, I don't have these significant food experiences very often at all anymore. Um, it used to happen every time I vacationed, every time there was something that was out of the ordinary, I couldn't control it. But now it's very rare. I usually travel with a set of food rules, behavior rules, and I try to make sure that I keep things under control because I don't like to think back on a vacation and only remember feeling bloated, eating way too much junk, etc. I always seem to, when I go on a trip, have a couple of days where I let myself have whatever And because I decide to, like when I went to Paris, I'm like, I'm going to obviously try pastries and things I'm in Paris. But after two days of that, I didn't feel good. I don't feel good when I eat that way. And so I locked it in. I gave up sugar. I gave up sweets and was not tempted anymore. And I just simply enjoyed the sights and the activities and the regular food. That works for me really well. But the holidays in Minnesota, different. I totally just slept and ate, went out to dinner with my family, um, ate the delicious things, and knew that I could trust myself to come home and go back to routine. My lifestyle is healthy. And when your lifestyle is healthy and active, you don't have to worry so much about anomalies because you know that your baseline behaviors are those that support being a healthy weight and living a healthy lifestyle. So my normal routine, I'm up at four, I read and journal, meditate, and record podcasts until five. Then I lift from five to six, and then I run boot camp, and then I make breakfast, and then I train clients. And then sometimes I have a nap. And then I either train more clients in the afternoon or have coaching calls online or work on my various projects on my computer, my website, my businesses. Um, Sometimes I have a client at night, otherwise make dinner in bed super early. That's my lifestyle. I love my lifestyle. I love my daily life. I'm so happy. I love waking up early, having coffee, filling my heart and soul. Um, I, I love my routine. I'm not ever going to come home and just decide to stay in bed until noon, ignore all the things, stop moving my body, just eat donuts all day. It's not going to happen. It's not who I am anymore. So when I go on a vacation and I do sleep in and I do go out to breakfast and then out to lunch and then eat my mom's Christmas baking... I'm not worried that that's going to be my life again. It's just not. I'm too settled into my lifestyle. So that's a big key here. To be able to figure out a lifestyle that is so good, that you enjoy so much, that is not punitive. And even though it's hard, sometimes it is very hard to roll out of bed at 4 a.m. Sometimes I am very tired. And there are a couple of days a week where I do not do that. I sleep in until hmm, 6.30 or 7. On the rare occasion I don't coach boot camp, I will sleep in until 8 or 9. Rare occasion. And then I go about my day with a nice rest under my belt. 
that's okay too. But honestly, I don't like that. I love my routine. So when you're thinking about changing your lifestyle and your habits, you have to start one by one by one, adding in and changing things in such a way that you don't hate it and you love it enough to make it the norm. Now, I did not start this routine overnight. It started out with being an early morning exerciser just because I liked the 5 a.m. class five years ago at F45. So that started that habit of getting up early and getting my workout done. The morning journaling and reading happened since I've lived here because I realized that when I go out and lead a group of boot campers in a workout and then I try to have something encouraging for them afterwards, I have to have something encouraging in me first. And when I go out there and I haven't fed my soul and my heart, I feel flat. I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I want to offer what the sunrise offers to those people. And that is light and something beautiful for their lives. I take it very seriously. And so when I get up, And I read and I pour into my heart and then I journal and speak love to myself and then I meditate or visualize or send out encouragement. Then when I go out to the beach or I start working with my clients in a day, I have a full cup. I can listen. I can offer. I can be my best self. That was not always a part of my life. It's been added. Um, Recording this podcast in the morning is a brand new thing. This has become a huge part of my routine. It's something that I love to do. I take very seriously. I don't feel great when I feel like I kind of didn't like get the job done the best way that I could. But doing a morning podcast every single day has encouraged me and kind of forced me to continually be learning, to continually be looking for nuggets of inspiration for me to pass out. So having a lifestyle that you love to come back to that feels like home that isn't punitive even though it's not necessarily easy is key. So develop that one step at a time. But so I got home um, definitely feeling very heavy in my skin. My clothes weren't fitting. But I have a surefire plan to get my body to exhale and release all of the salt and the water and the bloat because that's what 90% of it is. So number one, I start cranking water like crank in the water. And on 75 hard, I drink a gallon of water a day. And um, when I'm trying to do a a de-bloat, I try to go for two gallons of water a day. Flush the water, clean the pipes, rinse the organs. It's really, really awesome. It works. So crank the water, Also crank the greens. I always do this. I eat a ton of romaine and spinach and arugula, green vegetables, because again, it's roughage for my intestines. It's cleaning out the pipes. It's giving me beautiful dark leafy greens, which is vitamins and nutrients in my body. Also, it's simply fresh and it feels really good to eat after eating things that were not so fresh. Um, I cut out all sweets and sugar, all sweets and sugar, every single bit of sweets and sugar. So I'm eating basically only real food. Chicken, um, beef, apples, rice, um, like I said, um, lettuce, um, coffee with almond milk, no cream, no heavy fats, um, and then eggs and egg whites. So basically, I pull my diet down to real food that consists of proteins, really healthy, clean carbs, vegetables, and some very healthy fats. That's it. If I can focus on that and just say, you know what, I can have other things next week. I'm going to take one week and simply give my digestive system a break and let everything flush out. It works. 
And it's tough. The first couple of days, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so hard because it's just such a switch all of a sudden. But a couple of days in, that scale starts to go down. The face starts to thin out. My rings start to fit again. I stop hearing water bounce when I step. And it's like, this is worth it. And it's just a week of time. So that always works for me. Green vegetables, apples, um, lean protein in the form of meats, eggs, egg whites, fish, and uh, really clean carbs like rice and potatoes and oats. That's all I eat for a week. And it works. And I kept my calories. I didn't just eat as much of that as I wanted to. I kept my calories um, within my calorie deficit range that I need for weight loss and it worked. And then, you know, of course, week two, all of that slowed down. All that excess water and salt was gone. And now it's just the excess fat that I have on my body from all the good fun that I had with food. So I probably have four pounds um, that I'd like to get off uh, in the next, I don't know, I'm allowing myself a pound a week, which is a nice, slow, steady rate of weight loss. And then I will feel like I'm kind of back to my little happy zone. And that's as complicated as it has to be. It's a short period of time. It's not a sustainable diet. I can't eat that way for the rest of my life. But to take a week and just support my body's function with the cleanest, most basic foods possible is a surefire way for my body to get back to what it's used to, which is functioning optimally, living um, in a little bit of a calorie deficit and getting lots of nutrients. Um, And then, of course, um, exercise. Got back to lifting. Uh, Got back to lifting and then picked up... Sorry, Gus is loud. Picked up the incline walk. So this is an important key. If you want to like burn some fat, especially if you're like me and you carry weight in your legs, you can't spot reduce fat. But... You can slim down your legs by doing a low, slow, incline walk. Now, I don't know if it's scientifically proven, but for me, when I implement this five days a week for a few weeks, my thighs slim down. I carry weight in my legs. My legs get big really quickly. I hate it. (laughs) But 30 minutes, 12 minutes. Um, a grade of 12 on the treadmill and a speed of usually 2.7 to 3, somewhere in there, depending on what I can maintain. It gets my heart rate up and the sweat pours. It's exhausting, but it's only half an hour and it works. It's not a lot of calories burned, but it seems to be the right heart rate zone for me to where I really can get the fat to come off, especially in my legs. So give that a try. I've read it from other people. It's all over Instagram as a tried and true fat burning um, cardio workout. It doesn't get your heart rate super high. And so it's in that quote unquote fat burning zone. So try that out to recover next time you feel like you've got some temporary quick bloaty weight gain. The um, clean diet and the incline walk. So there you have it. That's how I recovered. Now, mentally and emotionally, how did I recover from the holidays? Not very well. <laughs> um, I I really hate Minnesota. Like, I don't want to live there ever again. It's cold and it's just, I don't know. I just, I'm tired of it. It's it's not my home anymore. And 42 years there, I never thought I'd go anywhere else. And then now that I am, I just can't imagine living there. It just feels like, it just honestly feels like death. Not that it's that way to everybody, but I think when you know that your soul is done somewhere, to go back there, you just know. Like, I just know. It's not my home and I'm not happy there um, if I had to stay. And so I really don't like that. But I love my family. And it was so hard, again, 
to leave my family, especially as my parents are getting older, especially as my siblings and I like are having, we have a different relationship than we've ever had in our lives. I feel like they're my siblings. Like we are connected in a way we never have been before. And so leaving that just felt like unplugging and being disconnected again from um, people that are so important to me. And that's really hard. And it never, never was until the past year. I just was here, do, 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 I'm in Florida. And now I just feel this huge gaping sense of loss. And that's really hard. And um, luckily my brother sends me all kinds of memes all day, every day on Instagram. Um, funny stuff. I mean, he sends me fart jokes and gross, gross and appropriate humor. All kinds of stuff that like my stereotypical big brother from when we were kids. He's still the stereotypical big brother from when we were kids. So that makes it makes it easier. I feel more connected to him that way and definitely get to talk to my sister more. In fact, she was just down here last weekend and I got to see her for just a few hours, but it was a real treat. So um, all that to say, it's interesting how time and relationships just simply shift um, least when you least expect it. When I moved here, I was just a lone wolf, didn't think twice about it just felt completely free and on my own and in my own world and disconnected and fine with it. And now I'm all of those things and I feel this huge like sense of loss and a gaping hole of missing my family. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. I think I'm normal now. (laughs) I've normalized, um, which is also really good. It's really good. So I immediately started scheming of when can I go back? I hate going there in the winter, but it's hard for me to think about not seeing my family for months and months and months again. So um, I'm going to go back in February. Um, and one little little quick little note about that. Just a little story to um, maybe convince you of the power of visualization and manifestation. Because I believe in this with my whole heart. And I just continue to see more and more and more evidence of the power of this. So I've been reading Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Supernatural. My friend Jackie gave it to me. She gives me every book that changed her life. And then subsequently, it totally blows my mind and changes my life. So she has changed my life. And Joe Dispenza, he's um, well known. He's an incredibly powerful Um, author. He has an amazing way of taking really complex subject matter and making it understandable to the homeschooled, uneducated in science and physics and all that stuff um, and and make it understandable. So he is amazing. um, He's a lecturer. He's a researcher. um, He's, I don't know what you'd call him, like a, a physicist maybe? I don't know. Anyway, he talks about the power of visualization and manifestation. And it's basically the practical application of what I've learned from reading books uh, by Neville Goddard, who is from the 40s, who talked about the power of awareness and the power of visualization and that we truly can bring about what we want by um, our thinking. And that might sound frou-frou, but here's the thing. What happens is, is when you want something, The more time you can spend visualizing it having happened, the more possible it is, the more probable it is. So for instance, when I had my first dream to come to Miami, um, I was doing 75 hard and it was the first time I practiced visualization every single day. One of the tasks in, I think it was phase three, was to spend 10 minutes a day in visualization. And it was winter time and I was cold, so I went to a tanning bed almost every day for 10 minutes. 
So I'd go to the tanning bed and when I got in, in order to make the time pass and to get my 10 minutes checked off, I would visualize. And I get in the tanning bed and I would visualize the Akoya, the building I now live in in Miami. I would imagine running on the beach path because I had done it once on vacation here, going for a run and I would imagine being super hot and sweaty. Imagine the feeling of sweat in my eyes, sweat running down my back and just being super hot and coming back from a run. And I would visualize scanning my finger at the fingerprint reader and opening the gate and walking into the building. And I'd imagine the feeling of the air conditioning hitting my skin and feeling cold. And then I'd picture walking to the elevator, pushing the button, getting in, and then that elevator opening and me walking to a door and going into my home. I would visualize that scene over and over and over and over again. And I would be filled with the joy and the, the just ex- excitement of as, as if I was really there. I did it all the time. And then when I came down to Miami a few months later to look for a place, I found a place in Akoya and I moved into it. And that is my life. I can't tell you how many times I have run down the beach path stopped at that gate, scanned my finger, and walked into my apartment. And I remember that tanning bed in Minnesota when I visualized it and imagined it into existence. So I believe it. So I wanted to come home in February. I wanted to come home and spend time with Amanda because I didn't get to see her much in the holidays. But I am on a tight budget. (laughs) All the holidays were expensive. We have a trip to Rome coming up. I'm not made of money. Like, I don't know that I can pull this off. I, I can't just, just drop a bunch of money on this. But I have, you know, points on JetBlue and points on Southwest and points on this and that. I thought maybe I can cobble together flight credits and points and it'll be a really cheap trip. So I just envision, I just visualized the feeling of getting off the plane and having Amanda pick me up and her big giant smile and laugh and hug and getting in her car and it being February and being like, holy buckets, it's cold. And I just kept on imagining that and seeing my uncle David in Iowa, because that's the whole point of going in February, my uncle David's birthday in Iowa. I haven't missed many of his birthdays in the past 10 to 12 years because I love going to see him for his birthday. So this is the joy of walking in onto the farm and saying happy birthday and bringing him a funny hat. So I've been working on this, visualizing this, and enjoying the feeling as if it was already happening, which is the key. So the other night I was laying in bed and I was looking at all my points, trying to figure out how I can book this flight before they go up more and more. And they're just all stupid expensive. It's cheaper to fly from Miami to Europe than it is to fly from Miami to Minnesota. It's insane. My flights to Rome were cheaper than the flights to Minneapolis. Our flights to Athens were cheaper than flights to Minneapolis. It's insane how expensive it is to fly across the country. But I was looking through and I found, okay, I had enough points on JetBlue to get me home for free. I just had to find a flight from Miami into Minneapolis. So I was looking at all the airlines and possible schedules. And um, I remembered that my son had his flight canceled for Christmas from Southwest. And he had a flight credit and I couldn't use it for me because it had his name on it. So I was really pissed about that because I paid for it. (laughs) So I thought, well, I'll go back in the email. Maybe there's some fine print. I could call them and say, listen, I paid for this. He couldn't travel. I want to use him for a ticket. So I went into my email and I just searched Southwest to pull up all the emails I'd gotten from Southwest over this whole flight cancellation. And there was one that had gone to spam. 
And it was an apology email about all the cancellations that Southwest had had over the holidays. And to make things right, here was 25,000 rapid rewards points. Good for a round trip ticket up to $350. Boom! <laughs> so I was able to book my flight home. It cost me $11.20 because I was able to use points. So I get to go home for a week, see Amanda, see my family, see my uncle David for his birthday. And I believe it's because of the process and the power of visualization and manifestation. You don't have to worry or wonder or figure out how it's going to happen. Just live in the feeling of the wish fulfilled and it will come to you. I believe it. It's happened so many times. So if you have doubt about these things, here's just yet another antidote of it happening. And you can poo-poo it all you want, but I don't understand why you do that because if you believe it and you start doing it in your life, you just might start getting things that you really, really, really want and it'd be really hard to explain away by coincidence. So there you have it. Finally, your late holiday recap and uh, the story of Minnesota. I will tell more of my life stories on here. I've kind of gotten away from like the personal life of Kristen on here because I don't know if anybody likes it. But if you like hearing about my day-to-day life, please let me know because I like talking about my day-to-day life, but I also don't want to have a podcast that's stupid and pointless. So if you like hearing about my day-to-day life, let me know. I'll keep doing podcasts about the Kristen experience as well as the weight loss and lifestyle and in empowerment and tips and tricks episodes that I also love to do. So thanks for listening. That's all I got for you. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, the Kristen experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.